Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business, and I think we've done it. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset that was originally used in the Gutenberg Press. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. Everything else was printed in regular type. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify Black Letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Hi, this is Tom Dunlap. Welcome back to another episode of the Black Letter Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today in our remote studio, still, thanks to COVID, I've got Ingrid Vandervelt. Ingrid's the chairman, the CEO of an organization called Empowering a Billion Woman, EBW, and EBW Distributors, Vandervelt Global Investments, a whole bunch of things. She's been on television. Uh, She was the entrepreneur in residence at Dell Computers for a number of years. And uh, just an amazing person. She's involved with the United Nations as well. I don't want to talk about her because she's here. You can see her face. And I'm going to have Ingrid talk about Ingrid. So Ingrid, I'm just going to kick this off. So tell me about empowering a billion women. The name says a lot. Obviously, the goal is to empower a billion women. But how do you do that? And what is that? Yeah. Well, first of all, Tom, thanks so much for having me on your show. And as I'm listening to you, I was like, wow, he's got a really good like style and intro. I was like, I can learn some <laughs> things from this. So we're going to have a lot of fun today. I really do appreciate though you having me here uh, sure. to talk about this. So empowering a billion women, I mean, it is exactly in the name. And um, really what, what we're really focused on is, is not only the empowerment of a billion women, but uh, we have a project called the She Economy Project. And essentially, okay. our goal by 2030 is to create $100 billion worth of global market impact through the power of women leaders and entrepreneurs who are starting, growing, and scaling businesses across the globe. And we're so, um, you know, especially in a time like this, so committed to the work that's happening here. Because fundamentally, as, as much as, you know, we say women are never going to elevate to our fullest potential if we're not working side by side with you guys. For women, you know, we drive 12% higher revenue, 35% higher return on investment, and reinvest 90% of what we earn into our families, communities, ultimately the world. And so what drives the why behind everyone here at EBW is, frankly, we got to get our social health and economic well-being of women, but the global economy back on track and thriving again. And women are at the, the activation of women are really at the core of, of that engine. So I can dig into some of the things that we do here at EBW, but that really speaks to, uh, our why and, um, okay. you know, really what, what drives all of us. So let me ask you this, Ingrid, do you think that, um, this, the whole COVID thing, obviously we're participating in this whole, usually we do it in a studio, but we're doing it by zoom sitting in my office, you're sitting in yours. Do you think that, um, this empowered COVID kind of maybe gives women a better chance if they're working from home part-time now there's a much bigger at-home economy. Is this is this an opportunity? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, in the United States alone, the job loss for women, it's been 5.4 million women. If you look back at December 2020, the media will say it's kind of hard to believe, but uh, the media says 100% of the job losses were women. Wow. Uh, women have been disproportionately affected 
during the pandemic, certainly, you know, both men and women are raising the kids. Ugh. And that said, the reality of it is, is what we're seeing from a trend standpoint, our women, again, were disproportionately affected because they're staying home and taking their care, care of the kids and trying to raise the family right. and, and work at the same time. What has excited me and excited us about this, though, is, you know, it's kind of that whole statement that, like, if you want to see what a woman, woman can do, like back her into a wall and essentially like be like no options here. And she comes out fighting because the things that pre COVID historically were things that, uh, we have found would hold women back for one reason or another. Happy to talk about all that, all that. It's basically like all that stuff has been ripped away. Like women are literally in this mode now that they're like, okay, I don't care. What people are thinking about, like, do I have enough right. expertise or background or whatever, whatever? I need to take care of my family. You know, I need to make sure I can put food on our plates. I need to do my part to help take care of our community. So what we're seeing is women, like, again, coming out swinging and just like, we're doing this. And so there literally is no better time in the history of planet Earth to really partner up with, activate, collaborate with women because you stick any obstacle in front of us and they're going to find a way to bust through the wall and like make the goal happen. And that's exactly the mindset and the activation that all of us need, frankly, to get our national global economies back on track. Okay. So you said something that stuck with me that it affected women disproportionately. Then you said 100% of the, of the job loss in December was, was women. That's attributable to the stay-at-home mom thing. Like kids didn't get to go to school and somebody had to stay with the kids. And for whatever reason, I mean, I guess it's traditional roles coming into play here, which we don't necessarily like, but it happens. Women disproportionately did that. So now that we're in this, you know, I don't know if we're in a post-COVID time yet, but it's hopefully coming up. How does a woman or a woman entrepreneur or a woman business owner who's gone through this, who had to leave their job or cut back, how do they take advantage of post-COVID times, of the fact that they can telecommute, of the fact that, you know, I think, I think you're right, more than ever before, I was talking to the board member of a publicly traded company this morning about this very thing, really randomly, because he's interviewing board members. And he said, look, we have to, there are legal requirements. We have to have so many women now on our board. We have to have so many people of color, all of these things. I mean, it's a pretty, I don't know if it's an exciting time, but it's an interesting time when public companies have to have a certain number of women, for example. So I know I'm talking a lot. Tell me what your thoughts are on that. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up too, because I think you're talking about something that like, I want to be straight up about it. And in terms of, you know, whenever I'm giving a speech and talking to women, if we're not talking about this, it's like, okay, we got to be real about it. So um, what am I talking about? When you talk about these board members that now have a requirement, I'm like, thank you. You know, great. <laughs> it, it basically forces an activation to happen. Now, that said, I am not a fan of just putting folks in a position that semi-qualified right. just to, I, I can't stand that stuff. And yeah. the reality of it is, and where I hold women accountable, including myself, is women, you got to do the work and like show up and actually like, do the work and the opportunities are there, but earn it. What's happening now 
And, and really what, what EBW has set up in terms of our ecosystem, we have three primary divisions. We have our okay. distribution. We do a global distribution, primarily serving government, private equity, hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. We have robust data systems that give us access into visibility of the supply chain around the world with, as it pertains, especially to women diverse led business owners. And we use the money that we earn from our enterprise side to fuel education, community, mentorship initiatives to help women, uh, you know, basically, how can I, how can I change my mindset? How do I learn the steps to grow successfully? And then how can I be in a support system that's going to help ensure that now that I know I've got a support system of like-minded thinkers that are going to help me effectively move forward. So we've really built an ecosystem to not only help women, but also work with enterprise and bridge the two together. What was happening pre-COVID was frankly, um, you know, and again, if I'm going to be straight up about it, it's not a popular thing to talk about it. Pro-women, and I am super pro-women. And the reality is that oftentimes opportunities will be there and women won't show up. And this speaks directly to that stat that is, you know, if guys see a job opening or opportunity, if they meet 30 to 60% of whatever the qualifications are, they show up. Women, we wait till we can check 100% of the boxes. I see that. And and I'm not not the right, I'm not allowed to say that, but I see that too (laughs) with women who are more qualified than men, but, but it's so much more for them to get to that. And now you saying it, you can say that. I'm just agreeing with you now. So I'm not in trouble. Uh, no, but, but I do I, see I, that. I'm with you. And my guy yeah. friends are, so and that's why I have to say, because it's like, I get that. It's like, if you say it, you're going to get, you know, potentially decimated by the women. Like you don't understand. And the reality is like, that is the real deal. Yeah. Um, now, what is really awesome again about the positive side of COVID and the pandemic is going back to what we were talking about earlier that women are like, okay, like all that confidence issue. I mean, that really is what it was before. Like, I don't even care anymore. Like, I just need to survive and I am going to figure this out. And so all of those things, again, that historically helped women back are not happening in the same way as they did. And so now what we're looking at is a situation where there legitimately is pipeline for these boards for executives seeking to find women in diversity, they, the pipeline is expanding. And so now it's like, okay, women, diverse leaders, this is our moment. Right. You know, they are sticking their necks out and going the extra mile to create the opportunity. Do the work and make sure when you show up that you earn that position there and you, you know, grab it. There's right. no better time than now. How do you change? a woman's mind or what would you recommend to a woman entrepreneur or business person or lawyer or whoever it is that's listening to this podcast? What's the, what's the one thing or two things or here's what you need to do to not think you need to check a hundred percent of those boxes, but to just go for it and start making changes. Yeah. And it's, it's a great question. I mean, first of all, just having this conversation, for example, so like the, the fact that what you said, I, and I so appreciate and I love it. And I love when my guy colleagues say too, and you're like, okay, this is what I've seen, but I can't say because I appreciate that. Cause it's like, ladies, like l- hear what just happened with Tom. All of my guy friends feel the same way. Like they all get that historically because women, you know, we, we want to be good at those things that, that, uh, we, we strive to do. Right. Right. And the reality of it is, is 
like the guys show up when they meet 30 to 60%. So the first thing is just kind of one, understanding the reality and the facts of the situation. Like okay. this is how the guys have done it forever. And you don't have to, God bless you guys, but don't have to be perfect. What we're looking for is the drive, the passion, the talent set, et cetera, et cetera. So now it's like, okay, okay, you got that. How do we start changing the mindset? Well, one is the facts, two is certainly through mentorship. That is when people say, what is the number one thing that sort of game changes from where you are today, where, where you want to go? And it really is through the power of mentorship. The second thing is, I'd say, again, continuing to educate yourself around what are the things that you want and need to learn so that you can add maximum value to whatever the opportunity is that, that you're going for. The fourth thing, if you will, and I'm saying three, but it's really four. Four is good. It's really, four is good. Yeah. Uh, Four's better. Okay. That's more than three. <laughs> but we want to keep it easy because it is easy. I mean, it's doable, but it really is surrounding yourself with a support group of like-minded thinkers because whether we like it or not, the reality is all of us, men and women, I mean, we're going to have those moments where we're doubting ourselves for one reason or another, not feeling super confident. Right. And it's in those moments that it's so helpful to have people around you being like, of course you feel that way. You're going after a new opportunity that you've never done before. And you're not quite sure if you're fully qualified, but go for it and you will figure it out. So those are four ways to, you know, shift that mindset. And I'll right. do one plug because I sure. wouldn't do my job if I didn't do a plug. plug. I'm like, ladies and guys, I'm like, this is exactly why EBW, and I can take zero credit for this because it's the entire education and community team of women business leaders that now work inside EBW that basically said, we have got to have an accelerator that helps create that mindset, give the know-how and create a support system. And that's what they've done with the EBW accelerator. And it just went live last week. So, so, so uh, I want to hear about that. So mindset, mentorship, education, and network. That's kind of... I think that if you can sum it up, like how do we change this paradigm? How does an individual woman entrepreneur change their, their world? And that's starting with the mindset, looking in the mirror, saying I'm confident. Mentorship. So I, I have a question on that, which I'll get to. Uh, and then we talked about edu- educating themselves in the network. So the mentorship thing. So for me, we have this problem at the law firm. Like how do we hook up associates with mentors and what attorneys that are older can mentor younger lawyers? and you know, without a formal system, it's really hard to figure that out. So we try to put those in place in all kinds of businesses. How do you, or how do you suggest a woman find a mentor? Like what do you, does EBW do that as part of their, their, the program that you have, or how do you connect people with other people? One of the challenges that we were looking to address through the EBW accelerator is that for women, 80% of women do want a mentor. The issue is 80% of those women want to be mentored by another woman. The reality of it is that where women are aspiring to go in large part, if you put ourselves in that sort of box, you know, less than 2% of women ever get over the million dollar annual revenue mark. 88% of women never get over a hundred thousand dollar mark on an annual revenue basis. So if you look at it from you know, how am I going to grow? And, and the numbers, depending on how you look at it, can be better or worse around board seats, executive level positions. So we're talking entrepreneurs, like women business people. Yes. And, and though for, for leaders. So like in, in your firm, for example, mm-hmm. 
you know, when you're thinking about how do we appropriately like create these mentoring relationships? So what, what we look to do, first of all, was how do you scale mentorship? So the right. more that you're able to s- set up forums, do exactly what you're doing right now, you know, film it, get it out by scale. I mean, right here, we're, we're offering, hopefully you and I will be offering value to people. Yeah. Who are well, this is going to be everywhere. We're going to put it out there. <laughs> and Ingrid, I don't know if you know, so our CEO is a woman our firm CEO, mm-hmm. and we're 150 people, we're not a big firm, uh, but our mm-hmm. chief marketing officer, Amy, who you've met, also a woman, our, that's our entire C team, non-lawyer C team, all women. So I'm hoping that we can do things like that here too. We have that uh, that goal. So, so another thing I, I have to ask you about, and partly because your publicist asked me, but I'm curious because I don't see it anywhere and I don't know anything about it. And I want to talk about the accelerator, but what you created a healthcare company? That- oh, healthcare. Yeah. So healthcare distribution company. So okay. we're, again, we're, we're the dots connect. So in our family, you know, you're either a full-blown entrepreneur or you're a physician and first responder. Oh. So, you know, this has been a key to the, to our DNA and the Vanderbilt family for generations. Huh. And uh, okay. it, when the pandemic hit, I was uh, launching basically a distribution company to replicate the kind of work that I did at Dell when I was the entrepreneur in residence there. And in a nutshell, what we did was basically say, how do we create a bridge that would bring this large enterprise of Dell together with entrepreneurs and innovators in a way that brought value and, and created commerce, et cetera, et cetera. So I was simply replicating that and that was already going. And then on March 20th, uh, now over a year ago, I literally back to back five calls and I'm sure you get the same thing, but five back to back, like desperation. Yes. We uh, had a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. And they were, and, and it was the third call for my younger brother, who's an ER doctor. And he was, uh, what was it? It was like six days on the same mask with eight COVID patients, oh, contracted, which is awful. Yeah. And he was like, is there any way you can activate your network to help us? And, and that was a Friday. So give me till Sunday to assess the situation and, and see if this is something that not only can we help you, but where I saw, um, you know, we could really bring value in the marketplace. And by Sunday, we had assessed and we have uh, such a unique network and sort of access to opportunity around the globe that, uh, made the decision. And by that Monday, our distribution company had pivoted to serve healthcare and it literally took off like a rocket. It wow. just grew and grew and grew. And we hired women that we had been training. There are women business owners who come into our network. It's just been extraordinary. So that's where the healthcare connection comes in. Okay. So you guys shifted. Do. Yeah. March happened and the world kind of, I mean, it almost seemed like the world was going to end. Well, first we thought, oh, this is two weeks. We're fine. Move on. And then it was four weeks. And then people are grabbing toilet paper off the shelves. We've all heard the story over and over again. But you took it. You transformed into a distribution company, I, just distributing masks, things like that. Is that kind of what you got into? or Actually, that was the first product. So it was a healthcare company who their CFO, uh-huh. so our first client CFO, 30-year healthcare CFO is now working with us here at EBW, which is amazing. But wow. yes, it started with masks and then went through the entire PPE chain. And, uh, and now, you know, where things continue to evolve and what is, again, just such a joy to be able to do this work 
is we work with primarily private equity who have healthcare companies in their portfolio where they're really, you know, ESG, environmental, social governance issues in the investment space are becoming such a huge priority for investors, LPs, because of what's happened with COVID and George Floyd and all of that. And EBW is just this very unique kind of one-stop shop that helps, you know, private equity, government, you know, healthcare, essentially really strategize around what are you looking to accomplish related to your ESG goals? And then from there, here are all the ways that EBW can help. One of those ways being through procurement, where we can directly uh, distribute uh, supplies and goods to healthcare companies and or you know, our clients can use our, our marketplace now to gain access to this qualified, vetted, and trained sort of business owners that we have access to all over the globe. I mean, wow. it's just been amazing. So, yeah. so you guys have a goal at EBW and assuming this, this healthcare stuff's part of that to create a hundred billion dollars in social and economic impact in, I guess you've got nine years left to do that to get to a hundred billion. Is that right? According to yes. your, so. So how so what are your plans to do how how are you going to get to 100 billion dollars that seems like a lot and that's social and economic impact so part of that the lawyer and me I want to know what we mean by social and economic impact so what is that is that a, a footprint that you create by launching people out into the world and then how do you get 100 billion dollars of impact it's a great question and and actually I mean I I as I say to our executives and folks we work with I like to try to keep things really simple and then hire super smart people around me, you know, get out of their way, make sure we're clearing paths. Regarding the $100 billion in impact, the nice thing about it is we already have precedent set. I mean, we've done it. So we know how to do it. We know how to execute on it. And the way that you do it is basically three simple steps. First of all, our goal from a financial perspective is basically leveraging our platform to create, you know, commerce of a billion dollars between enterprise and these entrepreneurs. So I set up the first sort of innovators debt fund at Dell. And what we learned at Dell was essentially, you know, if I loan Tom a buck, right, Mm -hmm. you're going to take that dollar into your business and you're going to basically purchase the supplies that you need, hence back to why we were setting up the business distribution, 10x whatever I loan you. So we've got a billion, you're going to go out and purchase 10 billion or 10 bucks worth of stuff. And then with that 10 bucks worth of infrastructure in your business, you have the opportunity to create another 10x that impact in the marketplace. Gotcha. So when we look at it from billion, it's, you know, billion out into the marketplace, leverage that to uh, purchase with companies like Dell, AT&T, Visa, whatever it is, 10x, and then another 10x again, in terms of what those companies actually will do in the space. It's a model, it's a recipe, if you will, that We've successfully set up and we're simply just allocating, not okay. allocating, but replicating it again. So Ingrid, so is this is this partial debt funding for women empowered businesses? And is it SBA backed or is it commercially backed or is it something like charitably backed, foundationally backed? Like how do you guys back the debt? And then how do you manage when you accelerate a company? I assume that you guys have a percentage of the company, kind of like a venture capital group might or something like that. Or do you just give them straight debt or is, or does the model vary? I asked you like 20 questions, but yeah. So it's, it's a great question. And, and, you know, again, to simplify it, like the PE guys say, what is helpful as we work in the financial markets is 
EBW, if you look at it under one lens, people might be like, okay, wow, you do all these things, distribution, data, development, how do you actually do all that stuff? If you look through it through an investment or private equity lens, we're simply set up very similar to a private equity fund in the way that we operate. So where that money varies is I'm actually, you know, while I love debt funds, I love, you know, equity financing, I invest, we invest, you know, all of that. I'm a huge fan of teaching women, like rather than even necessarily tapping into debt financing or going after equity financing, like go after large scale contracts. And there is a humongous dearth in the marketplace of knowledge of how to actually, how, how do you do a contract with Adele when you're a smaller company. And so we teach something called the dealmaker mindset. That's part of that accelerator that actually teaches you, this is how you land large scale deal. And uh, we're huge fans of essentially, you know, advocating for one of the growth metrics doesn't even have to necessarily be that financing. You can do it through revenue to the business. And you know, we teach women about margins and how to maximize your margins and reallocate that money to scale your business. My big, big question, Ingrid, I know that anyone who's listening to this saw your name, saw ABW, knows that you're an Oprah 100 soul, I forget what it's called, but super soul, super soul 100. Yeah, super soul global leaders. Yeah, yeah super soul global leader. Sorry. Yeah, thank but, you. So they know that. So they want to know, how do they get into Ingrid Vandervelt's um, EBW. How do I get into your accelerator program or apply or what do I, I mean, maybe you don't to ask that. I don't know. I know, but I know people are going to say, oh, gosh, that's what I want to know. I really, again, I really appreciate it. And I, I really, really appreciate it. So getting into the accelerator is really simple. So it's ebw2020.com forward slash grow. Okay. And that's the accelerator. And if people just come to EBW, you can sort of choose your own adventure from there. I will say for the enterprise and our government clients, I'm super excited. The uh, marketing team has EBW worldwide so that, you know, everybody can see the umbrella company. What's next for EBW? So you've got the platform. It sounds like next is is a global growth, but uh, what specifically is next for you guys? My number one job this year right now, we have a hundred million boxes of nitro gloves on their way into the United States. So if you look at the, yeah, it's it's a lot. So the Biden administration activated the uh, Defense Production Act, trying to get a billion dollar, not a billion dollars, but a billion gloves produced per month. And so EBW, sort of, if you look at that distribution, there's still a huge shortage in the marketplace on nitro gloves. And so that's really where we've doubled down on our investments. We've got massive um, sort of, you know, gloves coming into the country and what we're uh, simultaneously doing is going all the way, you know, downstream or upstream, depending on how you look at it in the supply chain to get raw materials manufacturing and really reshore that. So I'm speaking of the enterprise side of the business. Okay. The enterprise side of the business this year is actually, you know, really shoring up our long term sort of buyer relationships, if you will, our relationships with the federal government, uh, so that we can really help the United States. Um, shore up our own access to these critical supplies, and then uh, continue once we have that under control to export uh, globally. So that's really it on the enterprise side. Okay. And then as that relates to you know women and leaders and entrepreneurs, it's really just continuing to grow that community of qualified, trained, vetted 
women leaders, business owners that are part of this ecosystem because we're we're spending a lot of uh, you know time, energy, and resources to get out there and be that go to sort of ESG solution right. for sure. government, private equity, healthcare. But all of it ties to a very strong return on investment, and there are all kinds of ways we can work together. So we have clear, specific financial goals, a lot of work to do, but. 100 million boxes of gloves. Got to get those suckers like sold across the board. So that okay. like, if nothing else happens, we got to execute on that. That's next, like right <laughs> away. Do you want to buy some gloves, Tom? I am probably good. Um, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I know a guy. I don't know. So I, you know, so I have, you use medical gloves in the, uh, in the, in the arm. Probably we should. I don't know. We have to do masks. Every, every time I walk out of my office, I have to put a mask on. I walk back in and take it off. Um, <laughs> So I have a question, another question. You sparked a question for me and maybe you've already answered this, but I don't, and I don't know if you do this or not. I think it would be great if you did because of the conversation I had this morning. It was a call from a friend of mine who was like, hey, I'm on the board of this public company. We're interviewing so-and-so female and I need to, I just need to have these people. If I'm a not a female, but I'm a business owner or a company and I'm looking to enhance that, uh, that, that part of our company, do you guys help with that? Do you have a platform that does that? I, I know you're set up for women entrepreneurs and accelerators, but do you also, you know, can men go there too? Yeah, it actually, okay. we're, so we're 85% women and uh, we have amazing men that are in the community that work here at EVW who are just, frankly, like just amazing advocates for the advancement of, of women. And they are looking at it through that financial lens too. It's, it's just great for business. And so to answer your question, absolutely. People come to us all the time uh, because we, we really have this one of a kind sort of, you know, awareness, access uh, to, to identify these leaders and entrepreneurs. So yes is the short answer. And I would also suggest there's a nonprofit called Him for Her. Okay. And it's out of San Francisco. And that whole organization, the founder behind that, is to to essentially bring board members, potential board members together to really help advance getting more women on on board. So okay. a uh, couple places that people can go for sure. Good. Okay. A lot of times we're like, oh, we've got to have like oh, another woman on this project or another you know, person of color on this project. Me personally, I want a, I'm fine with a woman or a man, or I just want the best human being. And so the problem yeah. we have, I think we face a little bit of, and I don't know if there's an answer to this and how do we fix this? How do we get the best, if we, if it has to be a woman and we have to fill a slot, okay, that's illegal, but how do we get the best woman? Because I don't want to just fill it with a person because they're available and they come across well. And we always have this problem. Well, like this person comes across well, but how do we know they're the best woman or how do we know, are there characteristics? Are there things we could look at mechanic mechanistically? That um, you could say, well, you know, if she's this and this, she's going to be like a good business fit for you. She's not going to abandon the ship or, you know, and, and it's the same, same is true with men. I'm not saying that, but you're the expert in women entrepreneur hiring. Like literally you're the global world expert. So I'm asking you, <laughs> what, what should we look for when we do those kinds of interviews? Because we do, we do that and we advise on that. First of all, I want to go back to uh, that is a tough situation if you are forced to meet a number and you simply aren't getting the best person, because yes. I think that that downgrades business and, and the economy across the board. It just does. So I share in your value set of, 
you know, I want world-class results. And yes, you know, our purview and our, you know, focus is on finding diverse women leaders. But the reality is we want to get the best job done for ourselves and for our client. If people are really just trying to meet a number, I really would continue to say, like, let's, let's get the best work product. Now with that in mind, okay, we want to, we're going to go the extra mile to see if we can find, and, and that is very much appreciated because at the end of the day, I know as a business owner, I just want the best results yesterday. So right. if somebody says, Hey, let's take the extra mile, we do it because this is what we're, we're about, but that's not necessarily easy when you're trying to hit some results, right? So the, the second thing that I would say is just an awareness internally of the, the, one of the biggest challenges of finding women and diverse leaders that actually meet what you're looking for when you're executing at the kind of scale that you do is simply people, like you said, that can really get the exact job done. And the right. only reason for that is because historically, you know, women and diverse leaders haven't had a seat at those tables. And so this whole idea of how do you think and execute big? There is a dearth of knowledge around that because it's, it's just that. So this is where again, and, and EBW kind of steps in and helps bridge that gap. I mean, we're sort of like an insurance policy, if you will, right. risk mitigation strategy for companies like you or the government that are saying, we want to try something new. We're really concerned that if we do a hundred thousand dollar contract or put this position person in this position, is it going to work or not? And we help bridge that gap and say, We'll guarantee that this thing is going to work. So you'll team with people to back them things because I know that teaming is a big part of that. And yet being women owned yourself is really going to help with those teaming relationships. So this is, can I throw one more thing to you on that thing? Okay. Because the, the final thing that I would say is really, really important because women and diverse leaders, they do want to, like people are really moving to that place of we find fulfillment and value in being recognized for the fact that we bring real business value. So how does that translate into, okay, I need to fill a role or I need to get a board member, blah, blah, blah. So the way that we have found really works successfully is to basically say, okay, here's, here is the goal. The, what are the KPIs and be really clear about it. It might seem obvious to us, but it's actually not. So here's how we are going to value success, uh, over the next 12 months. Now, we're going to break it up into three month chunks and really launch it with a pilot and say, okay, we're going to do three months and test this out. And here are the very clear business goals that we have that we want to make sure that we accomplish and really stick to that. I know some of this sounds like common sense. It is not in this particular marketplace, but when you set that structure up, what it does for women and diverse leaders is they're like, okay, now I know what I have to do to be considered successful. So let me work towards that. And how they do it mm-hmm. is, is up to them. But there's huge value on both sides. And it gives you a way to kind of dip your toe in the water, get going, see if something works, and then expand from there. So here's my controversial, just personal experience. So me, myself, I think creating these quotas, and then I'll let you come back and say, like, well, here's why but creating a quota to say, you've got to put, you know, this gender here, or this, you know, religion here, or this color here. I think that detracts from the value of the business enterprise and the person themselves. I will just share 
Again, I said, we have a female CEO and a female CMO. It's not because I went out and looked for women. I literally hired the best people. And now a couple of years later, they're still the best people bar none. And I hired for the skill, not because I was trying to check a box. And it works out better for me generally. It just happens that they're women. But if they happen to be men or they happen to be you know, Native Americans, that's fine. I just, I, I think the real challenge is changing the mindset of people to think, I, I, I mean, I hate to say this, in the army, we didn't really have a color thing. I mean, people say it, but we really didn't because your brother on your left, your brother, at least in the infantry and the cavalry where I was, it would, you just didn't have, I didn't run into that. And it was much more effective because you're like, let's just put the best team together to do this or that. If we could change the mindset of everybody to say, just don't look at what that person is. Don't fill a slot with a woman or a color or somebody of color or a man, or just, just fill the slot with the best person. If we could take away all of the, the attributes of a person, except their skills. I mean, I understand that's not practical and doesn't work for every job, but I'm just wondering, am I like way off base here? Is that like a, is that fix me? Like what what am I saying wrong? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I mean, not at all. You're not. And I actually think if more of us would would really look at things through that lens. Um, I'm with you on, I think we actually would advance further, farther, but the reality of it is we are where we are and it, and, right. and our culture is where it is. So what I would really be looking at is, okay, rather than being like, it has to be this or this or this. Um, so again, the intention is so appreciated and we have to have from the sea level, from the highest level, like that, Let's put a stake in the ground. This is what we're aiming for. But what I would be a much bigger fan of is so let's say it, so let's say I'm your CEO and, and you're the person that I'm charging. If I can just go there for a moment. For sure. Time. Yeah. Okay. So I'm charging you with, uh, or asking you, we won't use the word charging given you're a lawyer. I, I got it. No, no. Yes. Your role is to find us, you know, ideally a diverse, and or woman candidate for our board. And we want to, our goal is to increase our supplier diversity procurement initiatives by to 20%. That's our goal. Okay. What I'd be doing is saying, Tom, okay, so here's the deal. I want you to bring me the best candidates that you can find. And um, of those candidates, you know, there's got to be a percentage of the pool needs to be from these categories, right? When we hire from that category, when we meet our goal, you get bonus and that person's going to get bonus. And then we're going to take it another step because I want you to have buy-in. I want you to almost mentor that, that leader into our organization and or around the procurement you know, I would bonus both sides to basically work together tied to the business results that we're looking to accomplish. From that perspective, you know, whether our world likes it or not, and especially in the women's space, like it is so important to just kind of bottom line it all out. And at the end of the day, everything comes down to time and money. Tom, I don't know if you have kids or family or whatever, right. whatever. And I'm sure you love what you do as a lawyer. I love what I do. But if, and I imagine we're similar in this way, it's like the only extra time in my day is out of my sleep time and out of my workout time. And then the little time that I spend with my husband and our family. And it's like anything that gets carved out of that, it has to bring me financial value or time back value. And the more that we can look through that and sort of tie 
compensation structures to that on all sides, I think that's where we're really going to move the needle. And you're going to start seeing people go the extra mile to be like, I'm going to figure out a way to like meet that particular goal that we have as a business, as opposed to, I'm just going to find somebody that kind of meets it. Although this person is way more qualified, like that takes the whole business down. So the idea behind these incentives, just like behind a quota, for example, which I hate using that word, but quota is to shift the mindset of people, is to move the needle so that someday, maybe some ephemeral day in the future that we don't know what it is, but people don't, we don't have to do this anymore. So that's why we're doing it now because we're trying to change an ingrained pathology in the business world so that they think like that, I guess, right? That's the, it seems like that would be the goal. The reality of our world is it is what it is. And, you right. know, I'm a very faith-based person and I come from this place of we are all the same. And then you're that, they're going to be people, no, we're not, you know, da, 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 da. And so, yes, yes, to your point, we have to put initiatives in place that help us begin to bridge that gap to be like, hey, let's, let's look at each other for the value we bring to the table, whether you're black, white, red, green, woman, man, whatever else. All you need to do is go look at Iceland. I mean, when people ask me, what is the one country in the world that like has the greatest sort of uh, equality, if you will, for now, this is just really speaking men and women, but you go to, to Iceland and it's interesting because it's like, okay, um, you know, watch what you wish for and pray for. Because when I'm in Iceland, in fact, I have one of my board calls here right after this call with the yeah. venture uh, firm that I sit on the board of. That brings a new set of dynamics because everything's so equal, it, yeah. it brings a completely different conversation. So yeah. anyway, you kind of like fish though, right? Iceland. I gotta mean, like fish and lamb. I spent a little bit of time there and it's it's a pretty like, you've got to hunt for a restaurant where you're like, I don't know, it, it, they've got strong flavors. Love it. Love Iceland. Beautiful country. So Ingrid, can I ask then for our business listeners, lawyer listeners, whatever they are, our podcast listeners. Walking away from this podcast, we've talked about a bajillion things, um, but what are the three things that they should take away, I guess, not about you, but that you would say to them is valuable? Like, what, what is it valuable, to the one or two or three, maybe even four, because you had four earlier, but the four valuable takeaways from, if Ingrid Vandervelt could tell a business or a corporate counsel advising a business something, what is that? Yeah. So the first thing that I would say is just um, on the enterprise side, the awareness that women are controlling 80% of the uh, global wallet spend, 70% here. Wow. And I actually think it's it's 70%, 80% in the US, 70% worldwide. And that number is just growing. And so for organizations that are looking to create a foothold that can expand in the future from a financial perspective, the activation of women is is really critical okay. uh, from from a business perspective, and we'd love to help you with that. So that's that's point number one. Point number two is to women and diverse leaders that now is your time. I mean, we've we've talked about that. Uh, we've we've talked about how the market has really shifted the way women are coming out, approaching things. The confidence is far higher than it was pre COVID. And now with just a little bit of support, that mentorship, that know-how, that uh, support system, now is the time for women to enter that ecosystem. And, and I think I would wrap it up, 
you know, three by just saying EBW is one solution and there are many out there. What makes us unique is that we have this network and we've got both, we bridge both sides of enterprise and these leaders and entrepreneurs. And, and we know how to make these relationships and initiatives happen in a way that drives financial value and impact value across the organization. Okay. So would love to have conversation and get involved. But yeah. uh, those would be the three things and just really take action. Take action now because it, uh, what worked in, as our chief marketing officer says, what worked in 2017, 2018, 2019, and absolutely 2020 does not work anymore. It's right. different. The world's changed. So, so to summarize, we're saying, remember the spending power of women, that the pet not just the spending power, the commercial power that women have in the marketplace now, because it's massive. They have more control over the global marketplace in spend than men do. And now's the time to take action, especially post-pandemic, especially especially with this administration, the initiatives that this administration in the United States has, and our renewed relationship with the EU and other countries that value this stuff, and especially corporate actors who are taking action now with voting laws. It now's the time to do these things. And then the third thing you want everybody to take away is call Ingrid because you, <laughs> this is what you're doing. Or EBW. Got or a whole EBW. team of executives Don't, who are absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, but, go, but go to um, EBW2020 forward slash grow, check it out. And that is a place to start networking and thinking about these things uh, and to get moving on these initiatives. Is, is that a good, a good summary? That's awesome, Tom. I okay. really appreciate it. We appreciate like it. That, so. And really just, I love, I just, kudos to you again. Thank you. Uh, of course, the way thank that you. Been, some of the questions that you asked, uh, really for the guys that are listening to this, like, please keep asking those questions that, like you said, might seem like a dumb question or maybe an awkward question or offensive, whatever. It's like right. Offensive. When you yeah. ask the questions, it opens the opportunity for the conversation and it is really, really appreciated. Uh, and just thank you so much. Well, thanks for taking them and not being offended and having a discourse because that's fantastic. Ingrid, thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners and Black Letter Podcast Land. Download us wherever you get your podcast on the Apple Store, the Google Play Store. Uh, and we'll see you next time on the Black Letter Podcast. Thanks, Ingrid. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play so you never miss an episode. And to catch us on video, check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.